Welcome to the MLB Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Averill, certified financial planner, certified private wealth advisor, former pro athlete, and the co-founder of AWM. I'm joined by my co-host, former Major League Baseball pitcher and certified financial planner, Travis Chick. Our goal on the MLB Draft Podcast is to provide you with the roadmap to successfully navigate the MLB Draft and becoming a professional athlete. You're going to hear from scouting directors, GMs, agents, former and current players, elite performance coaches, and of course, leading financial experts. What has traditionally seemed like a black box, we are going to bring to light the critical details you need to know to help you make the decisions that are in your best interest. So with that, let's jump right in. Travis, excited to be on the podcast with you. How's it going out there in Texas? It's going great, man. It's a beautiful day out here. Great. Well, the reason I'm most excited about jumping into this topic is I think as we've experienced through our own personal draft process all the way through talking to former teammates and now advising some of the best players in the country year in and year out is the draft seems to be a little bit of a black box. It's uh, it's the one thing in the information age that I feel like you can't jump on the computer and Google. Right. How is draft going to happen? And it seems like every June, what we know is what everybody expected to happen doesn't happen. And so I'm really excited for you and I to be able to talk back and forth on the main questions that we've heard families ask over uh, over the course of the last 10, 12 years that we've been doing this from an advisor standpoint. And so where I thought would be fun to actually start is your own personal draft experience, because I think it's actually typical of most families. So would you mind just walking us through what it was like for you and your family going through the draft? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely not typical of what happens now because the information is so much more prevalent now than it probably was, let's see, uh, 15, 20 years ago, whenever it was that I got drafted. And so for me, it was uh, it was obviously very exciting. I thought I was going to be drafted a lot higher than I was, but I didn't have the luxury of having you know a really qualified agent to give me the information that a lot of the kids have access to now. Growing up in White House, Texas, uh, I was the only person I knew of that had ever been drafted. And so I didn't have anybody that I could bounce ideas off of I didn't know any scouts that would give me enough information to really make an educated decision. And so at the end of the day, I signed in the 14th round. And for me, you know, looking back, the, it was a, such a blessing for me to be able to start my professional career because I got the opportunity to pitch in the big leagues. But now knowing what I know, I probably would have loved to have been able to lean on some experts to help me make that decision. Yeah, it make, makes a lot of sense. The one thing that I think is interesting is, how much did you view the draft through this is a business big time industry of Major League Baseball? Or was it more of just the thought process of, hey, I'm getting to pursue my dream? How much did you know of the business side of baseball? I knew nothing. And <laughs> I think my parents probably knew nothing. Um, and I think anybody that I could have possibly uh, try to dig into and find answers for probably knew nothing. You know, in 2002, when I got drafted, we had to listen to the draft on the MLB.com through a, basically a radio podcast. Uh, it wasn't as nearly as fancy as it is now, obviously. They've done a really good job of digging in and finding information about all the draft picks. So yeah, for me, it was 100% just my focus was getting out and playing baseball. There was no business decision, business decision involved at all. 
Which is totally understandable. I, you know, I mean, I think through my draft experience, it's the same thing, right? Is we've grown up your whole lives of just watching these guys on TV and thinking, hey, this is this is what's going to drive it. And the reason I bring that up is a large part of what we see when we're dealing with players and agents and families is it can become a very emotional process. And hopefully what we want to achieve on this podcast is never to remove the excitement about it or even some of the nerves, Definitely, but to provide a really a framework and a lens to understand how Major League Baseball and these 30 teams are viewing your son or you as an athlete from a draft pick standpoint. And so I thought it was interesting. We pulled down some numbers just to to put into context what type of business we're talking about when we talk about baseball is in 2018, for the 16th consecutive year, Major League Baseball recorded revenues that eclipsed 10.3 billion dollars. Staggering, and I mean th- those numbers are mind blowing, right? This is a 10 billion dollar industry, and so one of the things that I've heard uh, said is, you know, baseball is absolutely a kid's game, but professional baseball is a business and is a business. Yeah. That, you know, that first word of it being pro, this is, this is somebody's job now and not in a negative way, but I think it's very healthy to help families understand that the reason these companies, right. The teams, and and I use the term company very importantly is they're drafting the athlete because they believe that that athlete is going to be a good investment that that athlete at some point in the major leagues is going to help produce more revenue than they pay that player right to to drive profit to the bottom line and right. and that's not to negate the great opportunity of realizing your childhood dream it's just an understanding that these teams are very non-emotional and they're making a calculated investment what what do you think when you hear that Oh, a hundred percent. I, you know, and it's, and it, you do look at the teams now and their investment in the analytics and that goes not only through the free agents of the MLB side, but that even goes as far as getting information as young as, you know, kids in the perfect game, all American event, like we spoke at in, in, uh, San Diego there. I mean, the information that they, the teams have on these players now is just like you said, they are billion dollar companies in a billion dollar industry making very calculated investments in in players now. So even though they are a commodity, a product that somebody can invest in, that shouldn't take away the joy of being able to go out on the field and compete. So, but they do have the information to be able to dial in what a player's worth is a lot more than they did back in 2002 when I was going through it. And I think that something you hit on is key there, right? This this is us not trying to take away the joy about you get a chance to realize your dream and hopefully do that as long as possible. But we actually see it as an incredible financial opportunity that because you have this value is this investment that this company wants is you actually have your opportunity to set your future family up potentially for the rest of their lives. And, and a few of these players are going to get the opportunity to set up their, their kids' kids, right? And so absolutely, when we think about this, it's whether or not a athlete is going to capitalize on this opportunity is really going to be determined by having a business mindset towards their career in the draft 
And then we would argue, most importantly, the people they choose to surround themselves with. Absolutely. And so let's talk about this first business decision that the amateur athlete is going to be faced with, the draft opportunity. What exactly are we talking about when it comes to the upcoming draft? Yeah, it's uh, it's a huge financial commitment, and it's a huge from the teams, and it's a huge financial decision for the draft picks to make. You know, last year the thirty teams combined to spend three hundred and sixteen million dollars on draft picks. One hundred twenty-eight million and in, in change was spent on the first thirty-four picks, and those thirty-four picks, you know, signed for an average of just north of $3.7 million. And so um, obviously 3.7 million is a pretty substantial number. And so you can kind of see the opportunity there. But then when you break it down even further, you know, the 71 players signed for more than a million dollars. And then the striking thing to me was that all but two players that were selected in the top 10 rounds actually agreed to deals. And so you have over 99% of the players getting drafted probably in the top 10 rounds signing. And so it's they you can kind of see the calculations done by the major league teams. They know who is going to sign because of the information that players um, are able to give out and, and their commitment to be able to move on into that professional ranks. And then two, all but two first round picks signed either at or below that slot value. So I think that's a that's probably the biggest change from back when we were going through it, right? The slot numbers are such a hard number now. And, and two, I think a lot of that is really calculated based on the value of the each team's specific algorithm that they're having on these players. They have all of this information now. It's not hard for you and I or anybody at home to Google any information they want to on any of these players and know that, what their predicted value is or what their pop times are, or what their time to first is or what their top fastball is. So they know. And, you know, back then it was, well, a scout was saying, Hey, this guy's going to be a ball player. And so the times have definitely changed, but the really cool part about that is now because of that change, the opportunity is much bigger. Yeah. You're talking, you're talking life-changing money, right? We saw Adley Rutschman sign first overall for $8.1 million. Fantastic. The first 34 picks of the draft of that 316 million that was spent, I think it's around 180 million of that was spent in the first 34 picks. And so if you're at the top end of this first round, I mean, this is, this truly is life-changing money. And the other thing that just struck me was that last point you you said that only two players signed above slot value. Right. And what I think that is important to indicate is for families of understanding that nobody's going to get your son or you as an athlete, nobody is going to move you up and down that draft board more than what the team actually values you. Right. You know, and the reason I, th- I think that's really important is there's, you know, and, and you would never hear this come out of the mouth of the top end uh, true uh, agents that are the experts in the industry, but there can be some of this conversation where agents are trying to tell these families, oh, I can get you drafted higher in XYZ. And that's just not true, right? Now, they they do have information of knowing which team, what their algorithm maybe says the type of player that they like and who's going to be a better fit. So they, they have better understanding there. Right. But I think the other thing is there's also a little bit of 
ease that is taken off of the the families in the situation that it's so easy for us to get caught up looking at my son's better than the other shortstop in their current class. But I think it's understanding the perspective that these major league teams, they're not actually evaluating where you're at today against your, your current class. Right. They're predicting how do we think you're going to perform and help that major league team? And we have all of these advanced analytics and algorithms. And so every year when you see the draft board, there's always surprising picks. And you're sitting there going, how is that person being picked, you know, at 15th overall, given $4 million when he wasn't even an All-American? And I think that that's just an indication of how analytical these teams have been and Really, the same approach that you should take towards the draft is a very business mindset, not based off of emotion. No, hundred percent. And and you know, it's interesting. One of the things you said was they're they're evaluating on what kind of major leaguer that they think you're going to be, which uh, it's going to bring me to another point because a study last year by Baseball America showed that seventy three percent of first round picks will play in the major leagues. And obviously that number drops off quite a bit by the second round that goes down to about 50% and then third round down to 40 and, and it kind of continues to dip from there. But, you know, this is like we said earlier, I mean, at the end of the day, this is, it probably should and primarily be a financial decision, especially for the kids in the first round, because the numbers don't lie, right? Everybody's analytically driven. So we can deduce analytically what kind of opportunity getting drafted in the first round is based on statistics. And so what those statistics show is that first round draft picks, over 37% of them will actually reach arbitration, which means that's where they start actually making even more life-changing money. 75% of those have earned more than $10 million in their career. 53% of them have earned 25 million and 38% have earned 50 million or more. So as you can see, obviously the guys that are drafted, especially in the first round, there's a really high probability and there's a really consistent trend that shows this, the teams are doing a really good job of predicting future major league success. Yeah, the, those stats are are crazy, especially when you start to talk about the the earnings capacity of of the major league player and the probabilities, right? I think that this is where I understand from a family standpoint, we don't want to count our chickens before they hatch. We, you know, we don't want to assume things. Sure. But the the probability says is this is most likely going to happen and preparation is key and so the determining factor that so many of these families are trying to figure out is, do I sign a professional contract or do I go to college, right? Or do I stay if I'm a draft eligible sophomore, or maybe I'm a, ju a JUCO guy is right. what's more valuable and what what's my number? And so in the next episode, that's what we're going to jump into is going, how do we actually determine what's the value of my education? And so at the end of the day, there are all these different variables at play of whether or not I'm going to sign professionally or I'm going to go to school or stay in school. But the bottom line is it's really a financial decision. And so next episode, we're going to dive into how do you look at that? How do you value whether it's Stanford or Vanderbilt or Florida? What's that mean? And what's the bonus that you should be looking for? Yes, sir. Look forward to it. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. We hope that you enjoyed it. Our goal here with the MLB Draft Podcast is to make this the go-to resource for all families and athletes looking to take their career to the next level. And so this show really is all about you. 
and we would love to hear from you. Are there any questions you have, topics that you would love for us to cover? Please do reach out. You can shoot us an email at eric at athletewealth.com or travis at athletewealth.com. Of course, you can find us on social. We're on all the major platforms at Athlete Wealth. And if you'd like to set up a phone call with us, you can reach us by going online to athletewealth.com and you'll see right at the top of the page there's a button where you can schedule a call directly with us and so we would love to hear from you and until next time stay focused stay hungry and be a pro